0: Hey guys, it's Chris from Tap the Craft and I wanted to say thank you for checking out our show. I also wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Brewer Shirts. At the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable and offering affordable quality. They screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Check out their online store at Brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% off full-priced items.
1: craft beer friends, to Season 7, Episode 21 of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Lewis, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, the Dog Whisperer, and my favorite Florida man, and also known as Drinking Eagle from Tampa, hey. Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How you doing tonight, Chris? And of course, that's, what is in your glass? That's
0: still sticking around. <laughs> it is. And if,
1: and if you listened, I put in a uh, eagle call uh, when I said it last time. Uh, you should listen
0: uh, there you go now that i've changed my name it's a lot uh <clears throat> right here on the screen uh <laughs> so denny I, i'm doing pretty good today a little tired but uh doing pretty good and in my glass tonight i'm i'm excited to say well not excited but i think i, I have to finish this first okay before i can actually put in my glass what i really want to weekend which wanderers, is weekend wanderer is that from trek from Trek Brewing. Ooh. <clears throat> I should have worn my Trek shirt today. So, the Weekend Wander, I've been uh, getting ready to... I had that one this past weekend, so I was like, well, we might as well finish up the second one, too. But uh, I really, really like it. It was really, really good. That, uh, What's that? What, what style is it? It is a, uh, a pale ale. Okay. That, um, let's see. Is there any any notes on the side? No, no notes. But um, just like everything else, John Brews, it's good. Yeah, it was good. Um, So I was excited to get a hold of these two. So um, what about you, Denny? How's your day going? And what are you drinking in this this evening? Uh, I'm absolutely exhausted.
1: But, you know, whenever I start drinking and chatting with you, I wake up. So by time this show is over, I'm going to be wired and I won't be able to sleep. But it's, that's okay. That's the way I like it. I like I like uh, waking up with a few beers at, uh, you know, 6.30 in the evening, my time.
0: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I'm drinking a beer from Jim Dandy. It's in the big, giant, 32-ounce Dandy Cam. And you can see here Mr. Nelson's dry-hopped wheat ale. This is a uh, 5.6% wheat ale dry-hopped with... Something? I don't remember what, but it's good. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I went ahead and did a smart thing this time, and I poured it before we started the show. Because whenever I open one of these dandy cams, and whenever I pour it, I make a big mess. And I've done it on the air a few times, so I learned my lesson. And I still made a mess, but it's not on the air, so good for me.
0: It's okay, I have the bloopers.
1: Okay, okay, bloop it up. Bloop it up. <sighs> mm. All
0: right, I was taking a sip
1: because I uh, I need some beer, some beer in me right now. But yeah, it's a it's a this is a tasty wheat. Um, it definitely has some citrus backbone to it. Uh, I don't remember. I exa- I think this one. I don't know if this was the one they that they dry hop with Sabro or not. I don't know if you can if you have access to untapped real quick. You look up Mister Nelson's from. Uh, oh, they, they do a really good job of describing all their beers on untapped and. Uh, I. I don't know if it's Sabro or not. It might be some other. It like might not hop. be Nelson. Oh yeah, it's Nelson. That's true. It is Nelson. Mm-hmm. But I think they had another hop in there too. But Mr. Nelson's what? Uh, Mr. Nelson dry hopped wheat. You're right. It is Nelson Savon. So it's going to have you know lemony character to it from that hop. Um, and I'm wondering that I'm not. I don't really get the typical lemon character that I, I would get with with that hop. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more pithy, uh, type instead of, uh, uh, bright type. Just Nelson. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know what, what do I know? <laughs> but it well, tastes good. You,
0: you must know something cause you know, it, uh, you, your picture pops up, up front on pretty much all of, All of them, beers. I know.
1: I know. That's what the, the guys at, uh, at uh, Brunomics uh, mentioned, mm-hmm. is that I, my, my face shows up, and which is nice, because I always take a picture, and I I don't always put my face in it when I do take a picture. But that weekend, I just felt like uh, enjoying the sun. It was nice and sunny outside. Uh, the wind, wind was blowing, because in Pocatello, the wind is always blowing. And so it was a little bit chilly with the wind, but it was still nice to sit out in the sun and, and enjoy some beers with my daughter and uh, I enjoy some really good beers and of course I brought a lot of these beers back with me and uh, you know I've been enjoying them uh, all week uh, how many did you end up getting from them uh, I bought six crowlers and a four pack I think is what I what I bought so not too bad okay. and I brought yeah. and, and I and I brought over three crowlers uh, to the uh, the show I recorded with the Boonomics crew uh, Saturday and shared shared the great beer from Jim Dandy with them, because I want to make sure I can get the word out to other folks in the in the Idaho area, and the Boise area, that may not make it out to Pocatello to go make that trip. They want to see you. They want to see your smiling face. They want to see you enjoy these great beers. Mm-hmm. If I can do my part to spread the word, I spread
0: the word. Certainly.
1: Yeah. All right, Chris. We've been rambling on a little bit. Let's get the show started. But before... We get into the meat of the content. I always like to let any new listener know what Tap to Craft podcast is all about. We are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to assist our listeners along in their craft beer journeys and adventures. And you're listening to episode 177, recording on Monday, May 3rd, 2021. And in this episode, we're going to discuss... A few things, but the main topic is brought to us by one of our great listeners, Eric Gronley, who may be on watching us now or he may check in a little bit later. Uh, He he entered the contest that we're doing and he gave us a few topics that he would like to see us talk about. And one of them, as he mentioned, is a style that is dear to my heart. Uh, One that's been uh, spoken about quite a bit early on in the show uh, when the style was still kind of relevant. Uh, The style kind of took a dive and went away for a while, but you know what? It's re-emerging, and that's the Black IPA or Cascadian Dark Ale. And we're going to talk about the naming convention of this, and we're going to talk about the history of how this beer came about and talk about the style descriptions on what a typical Black IPA or a Cascadian Dark Ale is. And uh, Eric was kind enough to also provide a couple of great articles. You know what? I didn't have to go and pull out any other articles. The stuff he gave me was perfect to give me everything I wanted to uh, to do with the show. So I used two articles, and I'll have those posted on the show notes that you can find and, and read in detail. I I don't have everything, mm-hmm. you know, everything in there. There's there's stuff that I didn't put in. But if you want to read them all, you know, all the way through, go ahead and and, and find some great content uh, as well. So. And of course, you can count on Chris and I having some great conversation along the way. And uh, I, I want to, you know, as we as we get going here, I want to f- thank all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by our satisfied Patreon supporters like Mike Allen and William Slimmer, who are our virtual producers, and Tom Byrne, Jeff Seiler, Johan Halberg, Terrell Carlson, Chad Lamasa, Mark Church, Matt Knight, and Kirk Tabor, who want to buy us a virtual beer. And if you enjoy the content we provide, we invite you to support the show by toasting your hosts or buying us a virtual beer and even being a virtual producer. You can explore the options on our support page by visiting patreon.com slash tap the craft. All right, Chris, we are holding a contest. And as you noticed, I put in there that we now have the minimum number of people before we Mm -hmm. pick a winner for this contest. That was five people that needed to submit some topics that they would like to have us talk about. And so now we have our five. Are we going to do the contest now or are we going to wait until more?
0: I think we should just go ahead and do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to use technology here to our advantage and uh, pull the random 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 wheel wheel of luck Uh oh look at that are you ready yes do it i'm excited i can't wait let's see who's going to win this uh who's going to win this gift card oh yeah it's perfect now right right side
1: sound it's gonna be jim right come on come on come on jim 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 almost oh it's just short of getting jim
0: eric gronley way to go eric well, there you go. So Eric is going to be the winner of a um, twenty dollars gift card to our sponsor Brewer shirts. So we'll uh, have to reach out to him. I'll if he's not on here, I'll just send him a quick message on Facebook or something. So that way okay. we can get in touch with him. Awesome.
1: Well, way to go! Uh, and again, it's it, you saw it live, right? If you're watching, you saw we did it live, and it just happens. The guy that provided a topic for this show won the contest. You could have been that winner if you would have submitted uh-huh. some show topics. Uh-huh. So, congratulations! All right. So, uh, no new uh, YouTube videos, Chris. You didn't uh, feel creative this last couple of weeks, or were you just too busy?
0: No. Um Sunday was extremely busy. Okay. And we were bouncing around all over the. D- Tampa do you have Bay some area. stuff
1: uh, on deck that you're going to be doing, or are you waiting for the right time to? to take some no, video
0: not just yet i um i think i mean there's plenty of stuff in the beer fridge but we're getting ready to uh, move here soon again man this is like the fourth time you've moved more more
1: since i've known this will
0: be the this will be the fourth house we've lived in since we <laughs> lived in florida but we're actually <laughs> buying this one so oh
1: congratulations on that well,
0: thank you so oh, thank that's you a big very step much. yeah so, so we're, you're uh, you're
1: committed you're committed to tampa
0: Yeah. We, we kind of like it here. So (laughs) we like it here enough to, you know, have the business here. And Mm -hmm. then also it's a good place. We we like it a lot. Well, good.
1: Well, congratulations. I can't wait to hear, uh, you know, hear that last final signing. You get that cramp in your hand, you know, you got to do it. You got to go through all 10,000 pages and sign at least half of them.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I was very much (laughs) hoping that just, I I wanted to claim, you know, well, look, because of COVID, we have to do the signing digitally, right? Mm-hmm. Still Didn't work? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: good. Well, we'll give some content out there. I've been busy myself. In fact, like I said, I, I spent, uh, well this last, this weekend I was here in town, but the weekend before I was, I did a, a day, a, a trip to, to Pocatello and back. And, uh, you know, I, I, that, that takes out some energy of mine and, I have things on deck that I want to do. It's just that it's hard to, ah. to get things set up and, uh, and then have the house like kind of empty and, and not a lot of noise going on. And mm-hmm. so I can do that record, you know, recording, but I, I also just want to do it, you know, like a, like a super quick take, like you did with that, that beer porn you, pr- you produced, but that um, was
0: 10 minutes of video.
1: I, was it 10 minutes?
0: Uh, give or take but it, but, uh, but it was, it was less than a minute
1: it. of of actual video that w- was playing and i think that's what i want to do i want to just get in front of my phone with a beer and say hey i'm drinking this beer pour it sip it give a couple things and say done like uh mm-hmm. like our buddy johnny casino does right you know just yep. kind of keep it really short because i like to overdo everything i you know i'm i'm just weird that way kind of what you do for I a living mean. yeah yeah, You're yeah. The yeah. i guess i got a guy yeah i just do two yeah too detailed oriented and and just always can make it better. Right. That's what just make it better. Making, I can make it work, but I can make it work better too.
0: Well, it's funny. I was just thinking about you, how, how that works for you in comparison to me. We were talking about our beers that we were drinking right now. And the extent of my description was, it was really, really good. (laughs) 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 and that's pretty much me for those of you that actually know me. It's pretty short and sweet. Yeah, Uh, I don't really get into too many details. Yeah. Uh, I won't, I won't dump it. It's good. It's good.
1: Okay. Well, we did get some feedback. Uh, we got a couple of feedbacks. In fact, the first feedback was just hours after we posted and it was from Tom Byrne, local, local listener here in the Boise area, Tom Byrne. He sent us a Facebook direct message and, uh, I'll read the first one, Chris. I'll let you read the second one. Is that cool? Okay, sure. So he says, good episode, guys. A few weeks ago, I had a cold IPA called Roka Jack from Western Collective, and it was pretty solid. Check it out, Denny. I will, if I can find it. I'm trying. I'm still looking for it. I, need, I might need to go to the brewery to, to get it. Uh, also, a couple of days ago, I was listening to this interview with Kevin, and that's Kevin Davey from Wayfinder, that talks uh, talks about the cold IPA process a little bit more. Cheers, guys. And... So he had a link in that message, and it was from a, a podcast that the Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine does. And I hadn't listened to this one before, so it's the first time. But I I was very curious about this cold IPA after we did the article and we talked about it. And I talked, and then you know I, I was uh, going to go Jim Dandy, so I wanted to listen to it. So I listened to the podcast, and then when I was there, I got to talk to Davis a little bit and asked him if he was interested in doing this type of process. And he he was very clear in that yeah he's very interested in it but um, you know one of the things that I don't that people don't really think about if you're in a small area your brewery is like in a small location and it's open to the whole tap room and everything and you're doing lager brewing Mm -hmm. the part of fermentation that comes off of from that that bottom fermented yeast is really kind of a sulfury uh, odor from that yeast byproduct right Mm-hmm. And so that it comes out into your you know into your bucket and then starts smelling like rotten eggs in your hmm. brewery and they were brewing they did brew lagers when they first opened but they realized that they don't want people walking into a stinky egg you know tap room so fart. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. egg fart tap room <laughs> so they said you know we're going to hold off until they figure it out now he's been you know he actually talked about um some different methods that he might be able to do where he can have that blow off go into a a like a sealed Keg, you know, uh, a special keg thing that 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 goes in there and then and then exits outside of the brewery, which I hope he figures out how to do that because I would love to see some loggers uh, from them. Um, I, I mean, I remember the loggers they had early on, and they were solid. But uh, but also, I'd love to see how he would take this cold IPA process and and tweak it a little bit to make it his own. And I think it'd be pretty special. So yeah, that was a little bit of extra stuff. But the podcast, I'll have a link in the show notes. It's Again, Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine podcast. That's what the name of the podcast is and it's episode 175. Um and I I think it's a a very good listen. I mean the podcast guys we we do a few, you know, we do an ad in the beginning and I talk about Patreon in the beginning and that's it, right? We don't and at the end we'll talk a little bit about our sponsors. This this guy, man, he rolls it in like all the way through through the show. So if you can get over the advertising that he's doing in there, um, and there's a lot of, you know, advertising. It's a good listen. So give it a try.
0: All right, Chris, why don't you read what Tara had to say? So Tara Carlson sent us an email message. She wrote, now that Tap the Craft records its episodes live, I always have the thought when it starts that Chris McKenzie looks like the hero <laughs> in a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> Yeah, like Deadpool <laughs> hero, right? Uh, you know, the, the down to earth guy that convinces the ambitious married to to work uh ambitious married to her work city girl to stop and smell the fir trees. And with that magnificent beard, we all know what movie character Denny Luce would be. So which one would I be? You'd be
1: Santa Claus. I don't know. I I don't I don't would I be Santa Claus or is there a better beard guy that
0: I'm missing? Okay Kurt Russell is Santa Claus. Oh okay I, I there you I, go yeah okay I, I could be Kurt she, Russell. Yeah, you could totally be Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. And she also said that uh, she made this was weird and I'm really curious to know about these. she made sauerkraut and stout cupcakes to yeah. celebrate May Day
1: so so um, I, I wrote back to her and and uh, and said, yeah, that would sound good and then I um, she clarified yes, sauerkraut and stout. Cupcakes, but the frosting she made was a little bit too sweet, hmm. and and yeah, that could be a problem if you are too sweet. But the but the actual uh, cupcakes were good, and she took the extra sweet uh, frosting and she used it to do another uh, recipe that was making like cookies, you know, hmm. kind of like a frosting type cookie where it cut that sweetness down and was uh, also good. So two two beer related uh, recipes that Tara is experimenting with, along with her. Spent grains, because she also sent a picture yep. of uh, of her uh, heating up the spent grains that that Jim just got done brewing with to make some, you know, crackers or or mm-hmm. uh, a crust or whatever she was making at that time. So, yeah, good good on you, Tara, for being resourceful, going out there and utilizing all these beer products, wait, you know, byproducts
0: and real products to uh, to make food with. We really appreciate that. And Tara, I'd be really interested to know about those uh, those cupcakes. So if there's a recipe that you used, um, could you put a link to it on our Facebook page, or maybe mm. copy and paste it into our Facebook page? I'd really like to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. S- send it our way, and we'll share it. Also, and I wouldn't mind. I'm not a big cup. I'm not a big cake fan, and I'm not. I'm definitely not a sweet fan. I don't like anything sweet. So, but. I'm willing yeah, you to talk to me every week. I did. Well, you are. Yeah, you are. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I like sweet people. I definitely like sweet oh, okay. people, but sweet foods. I'm not so keen on, but I do. I am intrigued by, I have had things with sauerkraut in them before, and it really mm. makes it uh, moist, right? It's a, it's a, it makes a great moist cake, And I like moist things, mm-hmm. moist cakes. That is. I don't like dry cake. I think that's why I'm not a big cake fan is I don't like the dryness of it. Um, and I do love stout, and I think a sauerkraut and stout cupcake, and I can cut the frosting. I can either go without frosting or maybe I can just cut that sugar, whatever was sweetness in there down a lot, and I think I can make a pretty good cupcake too. so hmm. that be that'd be nice hmm. all, all
0: right, right. okay, yeah, I'd, again, I'd be curious to see even make some. yeah, let's make them and videotape
1: it and do like I did. show all of our listeners how good of a cook you are, how chef
0: yeah, well, you are! a professional chef. at one time or another, but remember <laughs> I may look like the hero in a Hallmark movie, but my kitchen is not as clean as a Hallmark movie. So <laughs> That's for Danny. That's, from. that's
1: from my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a wife that is uh spick and spick and span clean kitchen is, I mean, after I'm, after I get done cooking, I mean, literally I'm not even done mixing or doing whatever. And she's right. She's like, right, like right behind me with a spray bottle <laughs> with vinegar or bleach depending on what i'm cooking with uh just to clean up the mess make sure it's nice and clean so yeah okay it's a little bit well, Ter- overkill tara said that they went without frosting oh the w- wait a minute that but the frosting was too oh oh i see so she made the frosting realized it would be too sweet and didn't put them on the cupcakes okay that'd be my guess yeah See, so, yeah, I, I, can, I, I can deduct things. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, just, that just means I need to drink more beer. I'm obviously not uh, feeling as good as I should if I can think that through. All right. Mm. Pour a little bit more in my glass. And if you want to be like uh, Tom or Tara and ask some questions or give us feedback on the show like, like Tom did or just share some experiences, some cooking experiences, some beer drinking experiences, your craft beer journey, whatever you want. You can do that easily. Just like this, you can uh, write us with your comments or questions through email at taptocraft@gmail.com or uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Just find us at taptocraft, and of course on Facebook at facebook.com/taptocraft. And our web page, or our yeah, web page, right? Our mm-hmm. site, our website uh, is, ta- is taptocraft.com. Now we don't have any comments. I don't want to deal with. Uh, I would love to interact with people. But I don't want to deal with the bots and the spam, so I don't have comments. But you can go and find our contact information and send uh, the responses to those. It would be great. <laughs> All right, Chris, now it's your time to shine. Let's continue this conversation because it's now time to untap the craft and see what our listeners are drinking according
0: to untapped. Well, before we get started on that, oh. Eric Grondley just found out that he uh, won the, uh, the gift card. So he's, he said, wait, what? And I said, yeah, you won the $20 gift card to Brewer shirts. And he goes, Oh, sorry. Just got the kids to bed. Tuning in now. Oh. Hey, sorry, Eric. We buddy. gave
1: it away to someone else. You weren't here. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh we did. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> we spun the wheel again. No, just kidding. Yeah. So Eric, if you're listening, I need you to send us either shoot me a quick message on Facebook messenger, either to me personally or to the, uh, to the tap the craft page. Uh, I need your, I think I just need your email address because we're sending them digitally, which is really nice. So either send that over to me, um, like I said, either through Facebook Messenger, send it to us in an email, whether it's uh, tapthecraft at (laughs) gmail.com. He said no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we'll get that over for you as soon as we possibly can. So, All right. So it's time to uh, untap the craft, isn't it? It is. Were you ready? I'm certainly ready. You're always ready. Yeah. So um so guys, we're gonna read out some check-ins on Untapped. If you want to be featured in our Untapped the Craft segment, make sure you follow me on Untapped at MCK1345. And uh we're gonna start out. That looks lovely. <laughs> <clears throat> that's that's some good head right there. It's
1: it's a wheat ale. So the head is always awesome on Wheat Ale. That's the one thing that's nice about Wheat Ale is the mm. perfect, beautiful head, creamy, fluffy.
0: All right. So I like this beer name and it's from Kevin Page, but he's drinking a what 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 uh brewery, Denny? Brew uh, Burial or uh or Arcane. arcane. So he's drinking okay. he's drinking a Burial beer out of an Arcane glass. Mm, I mean, it's you just can't uh, can't go wrong here. He's drinking a philosophical ideologies of moralistic indignation. Oh, that's too much. That's a mouthful. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, take a drink. You need it after that. You're uh, parched. Four, four and a half caps, solid as usual. And uh, let's see what's on the ne- on next on the list. I have to read this one because Chad messaged me about it. Plus, we need to continue his uh, check in streak for the – two thousand four hundred and forty fourth week in a row he's drinking an escape by chesapeake real ale brewery um picked up this at the brewery on saturday smells like a pina colada Mm. taste is more pineapple than coconut very well done though four cap rating for that and he sent me a picture earlier with information inside the brewery on why the place is called chesapeake and come to find out it's an old i believe it was algonquin word which then translated into Chesapeake, uh, mm. which I thought was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, let's see. Next on the list here, we had a lot of check-ins, so I got to read um, only hit, some of hit the, the better yeah, ones. Hit the highlight ones, either a really bad one that's funny or all the great ones. Okay, well, Jeff Seiler is checking in with his B-Cups. He's drinking a Juice Willis by Sycamore Mm. Brewing, and he wrote, really nice, hazy double IPA. Had to buy it just for the name from the label. Welcome to the party, pal. Happy (laughs) k He gave that one four caps (laughs) for that beer. Um, uh, Mike Allen's drinking an Alpha Abstraction, volume 16, because that's important, by Wild Leap Brewing Company. Dude, you like the Taco Mac in Lawrenceville. It's pretty, pretty classy place. I'm curious to know if you're just checking in there or that's where you're really drinking. Uh, four and a quarter caps for this beer for the Alpha Abstraction, Volume 16. Smooth, as he wrote it. Um, oh, I got to read another one of his. It's uh, Silencio by w- Wicked Weed Brewing. Mm. And he wrote, damn, a very well balanced. I chose this one in Ben's five cap score. And he is not wrong. This is amazing. He only rated it four and three quarter caps, but <laughs> Hey, you know, Ben, Ben maybe is just a little more gracious with his cap rating. Jeff Weesey still remembering how to say that is uh, drinking a Chantilly cake by white Elm brewing company, all whipped cream and vanilla in this 12% Imperial stout. The true definition of pastry. Mm. Awesome. Cheers. Four and a three quarter caps for that beer. Um, Let's see. Next on the list. Got to get this one, too. This was brewed in conjunction with Craig Laughlin, the former Capitals player, boo, and current <laughs> commentator. He, Chad LaMassa is drinking a Locker 18 by Aslan Beer Company. Um, this beer also helps benefit people with cancer despite their diagnosis. My good friend was just diagnosed with a rare cancer, so this mm. makes me happy. Go Caps. Well, if you're going with that, hey i gotta root for the caps too if it can help some folks with uh with with cancer so uh five cap rating for this beer um let's see who's next on the list florida steve is checking in uh he's drinking a a hemera by more tales brewing company such a heavy mouthfeel interesting flavors of citrus and melon this is a double ipa juice bomb four cap rating uh, and William Schlemmer is drinking a Key Punch Key Lime Pie by Urban Artifact. Oh. Great hot weather beer for drinking on the dock or in the boat. Easy drinking and not too sour. Four and a quarter caps for that beer. Key Lime beers sound always sound so good. I, the ones I've had so far have been
1: really good. I know that we had that Cats and Dogs one. Oh, yeah, Cat, Cat
0: Dog. Cat Dog. Yeah, from, and uh, and, uh, animals, and some people didn't something. like
1: it, but I actually enjoyed the key
0: lime one. Actually, <laughs> uh, I did too. Um, there there was definitely some parts about that beer. Uh, one of them, I can't remember which one it was, but one of them, trying it first, I really enjoyed it, and then trying it again, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of weird to mm-hmm. me. So, um, but that's Denny. That's what everybody's oh. drinking. Oh wow, we got through it already. Yeah. Yeah, we, we moved along real fast, and I've refreshed it a couple okay. of times. So. All right, well,
1: good. Wow. I was expecting for the long the long haul there and going through a, a big list, but good. We, we narrowed it down. Well, you know what? That means it's time to get right into the guts and glory of the show, the Brew Buzz. It's time for the Brew Buzz. The Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics, and this week we discuss the Black IPA, and or Cascadian Dark Ale, style, history, and description. Brought to us by our contest winner, Mister Eric Granley. All right, so as I mentioned before, Eric was kind enough to actually include a couple of articles. Which, when I read through the articles, it, it you know both the both of them hit key things that I wanted to talk about with the style anyway, and I didn't want to just go into the BJCP style stuff. I you know if you've noticed with the way I've been doing the style description stuff is I've been way more low key and, and not so, you know, by the book, because, mm. you know, a lot of times you don't need to have as many details if you're not actually brewing that style. If you just want to enjoy and, you know, find out what the, the style is going to be tasting like, or, you know, the aromas or the materials, or whatever, we can talk about that without going into that, to that kind of boring detail. So, um, and this one rolled right into some, of the key descriptors for the style. And I thought, you know what, we're just going to roll with it. And the two articles that uh, he provided is let's talk beer styles, the black IPA from paste magazine. Now this article was back in uh, 2016. 2016 is about the time when the black IPA died. I Uh. mean, it's shortly after that, I think, you know, and I think, John and I were on, you know, had a show where we talked about the death of the black IPA, and I was very sad on it. So I think it was about 2016, maybe 2017, early 17. And so this article was is older, but it gives a very nice breakdown of the history and the background of how this style came about, and you know, you know how it even started. And you're going to you know, find out it started a long time ago without having a name to it, right? because you know in in ideally what is a black IPA it's a hoppy beer that has a dark color that's it right <laughs> and they were brewing there were some beers that were brewed that I were right. dark and had some hop character but they didn't have a name for it they just called it uh you know a porter a hoppy porter or you know or a hoppy uh, black owl or whatever right they they had different names that they just said this is a hoppy one or this is a a porter made with uh Intense uh, Centennial hops or Cascade or whatever, right? So uh, that is a good article. It goes through a lot of history, uh, and so that's why I, I continue to have this one in there. And then the, the next one is bringing it forward at 2021. It's back in black IPA and CDAs making a comeback in 2021, and this is from the New School website, uh, and this was published in February of 2021. So it's a fairly new article, and that's kind of what's happening this black IPA style is coming back and you know who can't be happier this guy right here because (laughs) I absolutely love this style and was so sad that it it disappeared and uh, I'm happy it's back and I've been enjoying and you guys have been listening to me all year so far even at the end of last year when these black IPAs really started showing up I've been drinking a ton of them and I've really enjoyed uh the style, especially now with so many breweries out there that are new and haven't provided a style in the past, are are really knocking out, knocking the style out the door with their take on the style. All right. And I'll include those two articles in the show notes that you can find uh, on the show notes uh, on the website when you want to look into it. All right. So, Chris, I'm going to just start reading a little bit here, go through the this notes, and I'll just tell you to start Going and then we can just go back and forth. I think I'll read the like the first three paragraphs. that you read the next two big paragraphs, and then we'll just bounce back and forth. Are you good with
0: that? I'm. Um, that's fantastic.
1: Okay, let's do it. All right. So the Black IPA slash CDA, which is short for Cascadian Dark Ale, was born from American brewers, a style that didn't truly become common and recognized on a national scale until roughly around 2009 2010 making it a unique footnote in the history of American brewing. Or is it a footnote? That's what this is all about. Uh, so let's talk about the origin of the Black IPA. 2009 may have been the first year that beers, labeled as Black IPA, began showing up with... <laughs> you know what? I have a I have a word in there. It shouldn't be in there, don't I? Showing up oh, with regularity on store shelves. Okay, it's just bad. It's just weird... Uh, uh, sentence there but it was hardly the first time that significant breweries had produced hop forward beers that happened to be black trying to nail down an absolute here is nebulous Ooh, it's like you know, it's like spaced out uh, and probably pointless the law of brewing averages suggests that at some point there was probably a highly hopped British stock ale in the 1800s, England that also happened to be a few shades darker than usual. Let's instead focus on the American market. So again it's kind of leading forward that's are leading le- leading up to the fact that this you know, these type of beers were probably around for a long time, just didn't have a name for it. you know but we're gonna focus right now on the when, when it became a thing in America. So we're talking the American market. All right, so here in the USA, Most writers point towards the early 90s as the first period where anyone was regularly brewing beers that we would today identify as black IPAs. In particular, a beer produced by the late Greg Noonan, a well-known beer author and brewer for Vermont Pub and Brewery, is cited as perhaps the first well-documented example in 1992 or 93. One has to wonder how the Vermont drinkers reacted to the seemingly oxymoron of a dark Hop forward beer at the time. Now, I'm going to stop here before I let you continue on and just say, this is a problem that most people have when they see the name Black IPA. Because IPA stands for India Pale Ale. So when people see pale, they expect a certain thing from a pale ale. It's going to be light in color. And then when you see black in front of it, it's a black but pale ale. Well, how can it be black and be pale at the same time? So it is an oxymoron, right? Is that a black IPA? <laughs> no, this, this is a... Yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it, it
0: that's a pale ale? It be. Here. That's a black IPA, IPA. Uh, that is sure. uh, lacking lacking color, right? It's, uh... Yeah, so this this is a pale ale, though. This, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, yeah, this so, is something you think
1: about. Yeah, so it's pale, right? And so so that's where a lot of people get hung up on the fact that, uh, you know, that, that the name doesn't make any sense. In reality... What it meant to say is that this is an IPA style. When what you would what you would define is what the style tastes like, but it's with black color. Now I disagree with that also because it's not just the color that defines the style, right? It's the flavor profile, and it's it's having some roastiness to it that a pale or IPA doesn't necessarily you know, doesn't have normally, right? So it's more than just the color. There's more to it. So that's one thing um so i'm gonna talk i'm gonna get on a rant at the end of this segment i'm gonna get on a little rant not too big of a rant but i want to talk about you know beer categories and such later on all right chris you want to continue on here at this uh point
0: certainly yeah still that would have been a taproom exclusive beer that was never packaged the earliest earliest packaged example, Jim Vorl, could find of what we would think of as a black IPA wasn't actually labeled as such. Avery Brewing Company's New World Porter, which was first produced in 1997. The New World name was a reference to its heavy dose of American hops, but it lacked the black IPA term because it simply hadn't been coined yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know about it, so we didn't call yeah, it that. Yeah. More recent releases of the seasonal Avery beer have even included the phrase a pioneering black IPA in reference to the fact that the brewery was essentially bottling a great example of the style before the style officially existed. Other pioneering examples from lager re- I'm sorry, larger regional breweries can include Dogfish Head's Indian Brown Ale, delicious, first released in 1999, and Rogue's Skull Splitter, a black version of their Brutal Bitter IPA, first released in 2003.
1: Okay, so um, with Skull Splitter, yes, I can see where that could fall into the black IPA. I enjoy, I really enjoy. I have a bottle. Somewhere on my shelf here of, of, of that know. beer. And I really enjoyed <laughs> that beer. I liked it a lot. Um, but I disagree with the Indian brown ale. That is not what I consider a black IPA. It is, for one thing, it is super boozy, like everything the Dogfish Head does with any kind of alcohol content in it. Uh, and it, But it did have a good bitterness to it. But it was also, like, really boozy. And it was more brown. It was a brown ale, right? It wasn't... I, If my memory serves me correct, it wasn't necessarily like dark, like black. It was more of a maybe inching up into the mahogany realm, but it was definitely not black. It was, it was still a brown owl.
0: I just remember liking it. I can't tell you honestly if I, if anything about it, I just remember enjoying it. Yeah. But again, that was how long ago? It was a long
1: time. Yeah. For me, that was, that was like, I mean, when I had it, it was like seven, eight years ago, I think. Mm.
0: Still, that's a pretty long, slow acceptance period before the black IPA term flared into more universal existence at the end of the 2000s. Eventually, though, a general consensus developed on how the style is usually presented. ABV is moderate to high, with mild to moderate roastiness that is sometimes derived via debittered black malts, malts such as Carafa, lending a crispier edge and the type of dry coffee-like flavor you find in the German black lager style Schwarzbier. Mm. I love that beer. Hop. Yeah, I I literally just had one earlier. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was my last one of that uh, that Schwartz beer with oak that tastes like oh. you know chainsaws (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, hop presence runs the gamut from mild to intense depending on the source and likewise can represent any family of hop flavors although the pacific northwest combo of pine and citrus is probably the most common the style has at least developed enough to have a pretty good idea of what any given black ipa might taste like the only problem No one could decide on what the style's name should actually be. All right. So now we get to talk about
1: the style name controversy. And it it is so ridiculous. But, I mean, again, neither name to me really uh, is right. But Mm -hmm. each one has their own problems. I talked about my issues with the Black IPA name. uh, And now we're going to talk about the other name. And I'll talk about my... You know, issue. Well, they'll talk about my issues with this too, because they actually explain it pretty well. So, all right. So,
0: interestingly enough, just I I never even thought about it. I I heard you talking about it on the Brunomics podcast the other day, and I went, I didn't even realize that that why that would be why they would call it a Cascadian dark ale.
1: Yeah, it's so, those damn, uh, those damn uh, Pacific Northwesters. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So no American craft beer style has ever generated more contentious debate than black IPA. When it comes to nomenclature, or when it comes to nomenclature, from the moment that people started calling this, this style anything, there was never cons- been consensus on what the, exactly it should be called. I know what it should have been called, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> the most common label is, of course, the one used throughout this article, and this is the artic- This is the first article that um, uh, that I chose that J- Jim Vorrell wrote in 2016. Uh, the Black IPA. It's a simple. It's a simple descriptor that recognizes the style as a twist on the existing style of American IPA. It's an India Pale Ale, except black. The oxymoron, of course, is that this results in beer being described as both pale and black within one phrase which is less than desirable for these names need to make sense. purists. The argument is that the root of most of what other (laughs) man,
0: you got this. I'm having trouble reading today. Uh, It's not just you, by the way, it's
1: it's just the, uh, it's, it's the mode. Yeah. Okay. So the argument is at the root of most of the other titles that have been advocated for from India black ale to American style black ale, which is the term currently used by judging organizations like the (laughs) BJCP and user rating sites like uh, Beer Advocate. Of course, as Stone's Greg Cook points out uh, uh, in this well-written piece, those titles have just as many problems. From the use of India to mean hoppy, I agree, India does not mean hoppy, uh, to the use of american to automatically convey the idea of hops obviously as in the case of american style wheat beer this isn't the case those who advocate for india black ale or american style black ale because the black ipa doesn't make sense simply choose not to acknowledge that the alternatives are no are no more logical and i agree you know it just needs to have a you know a real category instead of something that is conforming to what people think that it you know that it, uh, it's closer to right it shouldn't be india uh it shouldn't be american because it doesn't mean you know just because american versions of beers the craft beer movement made it uh from you know uh, predominantly uh, a hoppy more hoppy beer doesn't mean that it can't be done in, in other places right there's a lot of places like go to ireland guess what mm-hmm they make some damn good hoppy beers over there. (laughs) I tried them. I really enjoyed their hoppy beers. And so just because you shouldn't just, uh, and and again, that goes into uh, that whole Cascadian dark ale thing, right? They kind of limp that Cascadian means that it came from the Cascadian range, mountain range, which is in Pacific Northwest, right? From Oregon up to Washington Mm -hmm. and up into uh, lower Canada there. And, no, you don't have to just make black IPAs with Cascadian region hops, right? You can make them with other hops, and they can still be very good, right? Um, so, yeah, it's it's a whole big contentious uh, issue. So, all right, Chris, why don't you go ahead and
0: continue with what I labeled here as the reemergence? Will do. And I want to also make a comment, too, that uh, Mike Allen wrote. So that article predates the NEIPA. And so he says he'll accept that no style has triggered so much naming controversy. he said, hell, we still haven't even decided what N.E. stands for, New England or Northeast. So N.E. stands for
1: New England. New England. And Northeast has always been Northeast.
0: But he's, he's talking about in the IP. I
1: know, but it's a... I Maybe they did. I guess maybe early on they mm-hmm. did have any for Northeast, but it seems like I always saw it spelled out when, when it was a specifically a Northeast regioned beer, but maybe, it, okay. maybe it's not, maybe it's changed, but I, I always remember it always being spelled out Northeast
0: and then whatever IPA or, um, uh, that's just my aging memory. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, I don't remember it calling being called anything else other than new England. So,
1: Well, that's because you started drinking late in the game. Craft beer, that yeah. is. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, late in the game, according to you, maybe. Uh, I bet Jim like knows. North- <laughs> Jim was right there. He knows exactly. Jim, speak up. Speak your mind. Uh, much like North and South Korea, the war has never was never called off, but active conflict has subsided. Beer drinkers lost interest and turned to the latest trends that quickly followed and disappeared. Just as fast like white IPA. Belgian-style IPA, and IPL, or India Pale Lager. You know what wasn't on there, Denny? What's Your it? favorite. Brood the IPA? Brood IPA. No, I,
1: I left that out because Brood IPA wasn't around when this article came out. All right. <laughs> oh, actually, no, this rem- is a 2021 article. So, yeah, you're right. They should have put okay. this in.
0: You're right. Yeah. Yeah, way to go, Jim Vorl. Yeah. No, no, this is the uh, newest. This is the, newest, oh, this is the, so the one from 2021. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Jim Voral. I'll take it back. Uh, with the rise of hazy, juicy, smoothie and milkshake IPAs, the debittered black CDAs of the early 2010s, uh, Jim said always New England IPA to me, um, <laughs> dropped into the shadows, but never really went away. Today, more than a decade since these beers officially made their debut onto the world stage, the black IPA and CDA are again painting the town black. Wookie Jack Black Rye IPA emerged from the Northern California forests for a brief appearance last fall at the Great American Beer Festival, where it won a 2020 gold medal in the American style black ale category. Did not know that. A limited amount was released in the 16 ounce cans in the Propagator series this January, and were quickly hunted down by beer geeks. Do you get anything? No, I didn't
1: get it. I lo- I was there waiting. I was waiting for it to come out. I didn't see it.
0: Wait, you waited in line for no, beer? No, I waited. Oh, okay. I I went constantly to
1: the beer shop to see if it's
0: coming, okay. and I it never I never got it. All right. Firestone Walker initially had created it in 2012 as brewmaster Matt Brindlinson and is his answer to both the cries for even hoppier extreme ales. But Wookie Jack had ceased production in 2016.
1: Which was a great beard. So again, this is one I was sad to see go. I really enjoyed Wookie Jack. Um, and I'm glad that they, it came back for a short release, but I think that um What they're doing, right? And I mentioned this on a show before. I think what can really make this style uh, important is if you Mm. don't just release it as a year-round thing all the time. You bring you you release it in like a seasonal thing, right? Or Mm. you know, it's like it's your it's your option if you release it in the fall. It's a winter time. It's your option for a dark beer during winter with a higher ABV and having those dark roasted characters that can get you through the winter, right? It's, it makes you feel warmer. It's, and, you know, you are enjoying it and it's, it's not all the time, right? It comes at a certain time or, you know, what the what Laguanitas did early in their career when, when they had a lot of seasonal beers, but they couldn't release them every season, they would do alternate seasons, right? You would release one seasonal this year, and then you wouldn't release another seasonal. And then next year you would replace that one with the one you didn't do before. So it was like every two year release. And, I think that is one way that they can keep this. I mean, I I'm okay with having black Peas around all the time, but I think it could be more beneficial if you continually bring them in a rotation so that it's like new and and uh, exciting and not just the same old stuff you've been drinking all year round or every year. I mean, I I, I drink Jub. If I had Jubilee all year round, guess what? I wouldn't be so excited at the end of the year to get it and buy three yep. cases or four cases right same thing with black ipa it could be that same style that i look forward to at winter time or in fall or in uh you know beginning of spring or wherever you want to you sprout on us and it could it could generate that sales they need to keep it active and keep breweries wanting to put the effort into brewing this beer and and, and keeping it alive you know and 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 relevant okay so now i'm off of my uh my take little, a step uh,
0: down off your soapbox uh, hey jay
1: <laughs> jay from uh maine maniac uh i can't remember your whole thing but hey jay welcome to the show and uh he said, mm, yeah dark beers everyone loves dark beers <laughs> okay continue on because i didn't mean to get on, right. a, on a rant that's eh? all right
0: so wookie jack was a reaction to a couple of things first there was a black ipa and american black ale Uh, trend going around the craft beer scene in the pacific northwest they were calling these beers cascadian dark ales essentially dark malts added to a bold ipa recipe says brindlinson at first i wasn't a fan and i saw it as an odd style but our sales team was asking a lot about the style since they were seeing it out there in the world and it was getting a lot of attention secondly we had recently released union jack and double jack there were a few beer geeks out there saying that Firestone Walker still had yet to really make a truly over-the-top hoppy IPA, even after the release of Double Jack. So we decided to take the gloves off (laughs) and make the biggest bold IPA we could at the time. And it was bold. And it was good. Was it? Yeah, it was good. No, it was,
1: it was, I will agree. It was probably the, like it was probably the biggest, boldest beer that w- that stood out in Firestone Walker. Firestone Walker is so good at balancing their beers, bl- and when they do their blends of stuff, blending everything so there's never too much of one thing, right? And mm-hmm. it's always balanced. And I will say that that Wookie Jack for sure was was on the on that side of the hoppy side and not the balanced side, and really stood out above. The great beer that they put out anyway. I love balanced beer. And mm. when I when I look back at my IPA phase back, you know, it was nine, 10 years that all I drank was IPAs um, because I wanted that extra bitterness, that flavor that I wasn't getting in in other beers, um, I go back and look at it now and I realize, man, these beers were just a lot of them were just super bitter bomb beers. And that was what was attracting people to go for it because hey it's higher alcohol because they can put more malts in there get that abv up and then counter it with a butt ton of hops but those hops then are like over the top so you're like you know you're you're the astringency of your hot your your cheeks like caving in every time you take a sip (laughs) it's too much right it was just too much and i recognize that now that that that's why i got burned out you know i just didn't want to have that excessive hop bitterness all the time I, I and i went back and started doing lagers and i started doing belgian ales and i started appreciating those more balanced beers than the the opposite of that balance which was a super bitterness i still appreciate those beers now but now i think mm-hmm. i appreciate them more because i'm not drinking them all the time and when something is super bitter it's a turnoff for me now because i've i've tasted stuff that is so much better balanced and and does a better job of giving you everything you want the flavor the, the you know the hops the flavor the balance and so okay sorry another rant I, i'm a, i'm, I'm okay. just gonna rant away this whole show you just
0: look i'll go a <laughs> paragraph or two and you just rant rant your little face <laughs> off all right so the black rye ipa was a big hit with its one two punch of citra and amarillo hops the two varieties that brindlinson says the most that uh, says were the most pungent and gnarly hops we had access to at the time. The one, two punch of the hop combination with the added dimension of spicy rye bread flavors built into the grain bill makes Wookie Jack something unique. It went on to win gold medals in its category two years in a row in uh, 2012 and 2013 at GABF and a bronze the next year at the world beer cup. Nice. Well, damn. The name Wookie Jack refers to a term for hardcore fans of the jam band Fish, who Brindlinson used to meet on tour. Dreadlocked, blurry-eyed tour wizards who smelled a bit dank made their living on Shakedown Street and never missed a show. It was a fun way to describe a beer that was a reaction to folks saying we didn't make a dank and gnarly enough IPA. <laughs> Well, the recent January can release of Wookie Jack, the first time in 16 ounce packaging and with a new label design, was an instant sellout and may already be difficult to find. Based on its successful term, it will be a successful return. It will be an in. It will be interesting to see if the Black IPA has the legs to return to touring in the near future.
1: Okay, so I've got a I've got a comment that the label is badass i I, i'm gonna have it on the so uh this this episode when it posts and we post it to our website i'll have a a header whatever i have whatever the the show header uh image i'll I'll have the label on there because it's pretty it's pretty awesome i I like the label a lot i was gonna put a link here for you chris and i forgot oh you're gonna show it on yeah show the one that has the whole three can art one if you can find it yeah this one yeah look at that
0: okay that's pretty awesome
1: that is like one badass can art right there i just i just love that i love the colors i love all the details and, and the stuff going mm-hmm. on and it's just uh, it's really cool so yeah
0: yeah i, I like that one a lot too because it's uh i am i'm with you not only do they have the lion and the bear but then they've also got you know the, the elf the elven guy over there but the colors are pretty awesome yeah too. and and they're
1: like they're in the like a Puget, you know like you're ready to box it out right you know gonna yeah. <laughs> box it's like
0: it like out the, with the ride the, like the lion yeah everything the lion and the bear are always doing anyway yeah, yeah so okay
1: all right so all right. I'll, I'll give you a break here for a couple uh paragraphs and let okay. you finish off this wow we, wow this is quite a long article i got here huh I, i've got a lot of stuff here i'll i'll go for a little bit here with the uh um the in in oregon the La Resistance is still strong, and many breweries have kept Cascadian Dark Ales on the menu despite the handful, the handful who have adopted Black IPA naming conventions. Pelican Brewing has never let their devotion to Pacific Northwest flavor die. They have been brewing Bad Santa CDA as a winter seasonal every, every year since 2007. And I drink it every year myself. I enjoy that beer. While other winter warmer type ales have come and and gone, Pelican has stayed true to delivering a big black bag of hops every year for those craving a little roast with their hops or vice versa. The black IPA is an oxymoron, honestly. American black ale is possibly the most boring and unhelpful style descriptor ever. Cascadian Dark Ale communicates with the Northwest customers in a way that the other two style descriptors do not, says Pelican's longtime brewmaster, Darren Welch, who helped develop Bad Santa with former brewer Jason Showman. Welch says he doesn't remember where where he first heard the term CDA, but credits Oregon's Barley Brown's Brew Pub with brewing the first great rendition of it that he has tried. Barley Brown's Turmoil CDA, which, by the way, is a fantastic beer, was part of the inspiration to, uh, to brew Pelican's own take of the emerging style a few years later. So before I continue on, um, Barley Brown's is in Baker's City, uh, Oregon, which is just outside the border. It's about 45 minutes from the border of Idaho. So it's about an hour and a half drive from me. Well worth the drive to go out there and drink their beer. They have some of the best. They've won many, many, many awards. I've talked about them on the show before, but I love Barley Brown's beers. A lot of hoppy stuff, a lot of, even their lagers and stuff are really good. Everything they do is really good. Uh, a Turmoil CDA is a, is a very well-done black IPA as well. So I just want to put that little bit in there too. Okay. Of all the CDAs I've ever tasted, it is by far the one that most uh, successfully balances the soft roast character with citrus and piney hops. Most of the time, these sharper hop characters clash with roasted malt flavors, at least for me. Turmoil is pretty unique in that it creates a harmonious, balanced flavor with citrusy hops and roasted malts. So, again, I think some of the better uh, black IPAs or Cascadian Dark Yells, as Oregon brewers like to call them, and again, I think the mar- the 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 line that separates Black IPA from Cascadian Dark Ale is 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 about the uh, Oregon California border and up. We'll call it Cascadian because that's where the Cascadian Mountain ranges are. And 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 like he said, if you want to reach out to your local customers in the area, then you'll utilize something they recognize. But that doesn't mean anything for anyone outside those areas, right? Californians don't want to call it a Cascadia and dark ale, right? They there's no connection with them, you know. And even over on the East Coast in Tampa, Florida, do you want to call it a Cascadian dark ale when it does it is it means it's like nonsense to you? I mean, no, you don't it doesn't make any sense, right? So okay. Uh where are we at here? Uh you know what? I'm the gonna let you, I'm gonna let you go ahead and continue on all the way down to where
0: I start my rant. Wait so the so initial recipe. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop every other sentence. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the initial recipe for Bad Santa was built around the herbal and woody character of a tanum hops and how well they meshed with soft roasted malts. However, the beer was arguably improved in 2010 when Pelican was forced to replace a tanum with English heritage fuggle hops because of the an- a tanum's hops lack of becoming wildly culti- becoming a wildly cultivated variety. Darren believes the Fuggles mesh even better than the Atanum did with the recipe's use of pale mel- melanoidin and dehusked black malts. At Pelican, they are all about the harmonious balance of flavors, perhaps more so in the CDA where hops can struggle against roasted barley. Too many examples of this style have caramel malts or citrusy hops that clash on the palate and give an overall confused and muddled impression, opines Pelican CEO Jim Prinzing. Too much residual extract makes this style especially cloying and chewy. That beer, Bad Santa, is very indicative of Darren's brewing philosophy. Every ingredient in that beer is there for a reason, and there's nothing extra that muddles the flavors.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want to have a black IPA. It has is too caramelly, right? It's just Mm -hmm. not right. It's got to, you know, it's got to. It has to be brewed correctly, and you got to utilize it so that it's a it's a good uh, experience and not something that's just muddled, right? You don't want a muddled Mm -hmm. experience. You want to have a distinctive roasty malt and hoppy character in there, and not anything in between. You want to have a, a a good thing. Okay.
0: Welch believes the keys to a great CDA are soft, rounded roastiness. That's noticeable, but not dominating. There isn't just a hoppy. This isn't just a hoppy stout or porter. That's, that's fair. I'll give him that mm-hmm. one. Uh, earthy herbal and citrusy hops. Woody, more floral hops balance better with roast malt. Uh, a dry hop of citrusy hops like Cascade lends some brightness and a more assertive flavor and aroma. And uh, drier more well-attenuated finish to establish it as part of the IPA family. Residual sugars and extracts would detract from its drinkability. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So th- those are three key points that I think uh, really goes to show, like, the key characteristics of a very good black IPA, one that you're, that's going to stand out and you're really going to enjoy uh, because it's got these characteristics. All right. So, Chris, that pretty much – you have anything – I mean uh, – I was gonna list a bunch of black IPAs that I that you guys should go out and try um, and I didn't because I got sidetracked on my rant and I didn't go through and put anything. but I will say that I've already talked about a number of these black IPAs in the last few shows because I've been drinking them like crazy. Um, go out and find them. If you go to a local brewery that that has a black IPA and you or Cascade and Darkia whatever CDA, and you you're you don't have experience with it, or if you've had experience with it before but didn't like one you had then please go and try again uh and see what your you know, local brewery can do cuz i i'm going to guarantee you that breweries now in this in 2021 they're brewing some fantastic you know um additions of this type of uh, style that i i'm blown away I mentioned in the last episode or maybe episode before last, I can't remember, there was one that didn't that didn't stand up and and I didn't it went back to the unbalanced phase of black IPAs and that one I don't recommend trying if you want to get into the style because that might turn you off to it but just try small doses and if you like it go ahead and grab a pint and I think you'll fine but by the time you get done with that pint you're going to really appreciate what a black IPA
0: uh, is Mike uh, Mike Allen said that mouthfeel is very important to a black IPA. It can't have a heavy body mm. like a porter or a stout. Good point, thank I you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good point,
1: that. Mike. And that that's something that wasn't mentioned here uh, is that yeah, it's it it's got it's, it is lighter. It's not it's not going to be thin, but it's not going to be heavy like you know it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be lighter than your typical American stout or whatever. It's gonna it's gonna you are going to feel that. That body, that lighter body, in in everything, right? It's going to feel like it's not watered down, but just lighter in in that in that heaviness that you're going to feel drinking it. All right, so now I've got a little bit of a rant, um, and it and the rant has been brewing with me for quite a while. Uh, yes, pun was intended, uh, and but when I did this article, and it just brought out all my you know, I don't know what the, I, you know, that's was the biggest problem is with black IP is like, you know what? I'll just call it black IPA. Cause that's what it's called. And then Cascadian dark. Yeah. Well, I can understand that. And it's not because it's not really black. And, and I couldn't, I was like wishy washy. And I'm like, why are they calling it these ridiculous things? Why don't you just call it a hoppy, dark ale, and just leave it at that. It's hoppy, it's dark and it's an L that seems like an easy name to call something. Why do we have to call it some ridiculous re- name that people are trying to get their name out there as being the person who coined the term, right? So that brought me to think like, you know, we're talking about Italian pilsners. We're talking about cold IPAs. We're talking about, uh, you know, uh, hazy IPAs, but, you know, whether they're juicy or whatever, we're talking about all these different styles that many people would say a hazy IPA is not really an IPA because it doesn't have the, you know, a lot of the ones don't have, they have a soft uh, feel for the hops. Right, the hops are there, but it's it's a certain type of hop, and it's and there's no bitterness to it. Right, a lot of people want to have that bitterness finish. Now, here in the West Coast, we've been lucky enough to a lot of breweries that are making hazy IPAs are making hazy IPAs that have that soft character up front with those citrus, ju- tropical, juicy hops, and then they cut it off at the end with a nice bitterness to it that lets you know, hey, this is kind of a West Coast style New England IPA because it's got some hops in there. So there's all these different styles. Um, Now, one of the problems is beer is historical and you don't want to get rid of that historical uh, memory and character to the different styles. So there's going to be you know, you can't like change the style naming or categories for everything. You have to take in consideration that there will be some styles that have to have a little bit of a connection to their heritage. So I'll talk about that at the end. So first off, I came up with an idea that I would love for for the Brewers Association and the breweries around the area, you know, around the world to start to maybe change the way they label their beers. And for, let's start with basic styles. Let's start with like a pale lager. Okay, a lager style is a style of ale or style of beer that is bottom fermented. Bottom fermented beer has a certain characteristic that identifies it as a lager, right? You're going to get those characteristics and people know bottom fermented beers are lagers. So we'll have a style that is a lager. What kind of lagers you have? Well, you can have a pale lager and you have a dark lager and you have a hoppy pale lager and you can even have a hoppy dark lager. Don't those names sound easy and uh, everyone knows what it is, right? If I don't like hoppy things, I won't get the hoppy version of a lager. If I don't like dark beers, I won't get the dark lager. I'll get the pale lager. It makes sense for people to, to go to the brewery and find a beer that matches what they currently Enjoy. Not that they won't change. You know, as a craft beer journey goes on, they will eventually change and adapt to hoppy things if they don't like them or Belgian beers if they don't like them or whatever. All right. Then you get the ales. Well, we all love, like Chris was showing us, a pale ale. It's a pale ale. Everyone knows what A pale ale. Then you can have a hoppy pale ale. It's one that has more hops, whether it's dry hopped or if it's bittered more or whatever, it's going to be hoppy. You're going to know it's going to be a hoppy
0: ale or a hoppy dark ale. It's a dark ale that's hoppy or just a dark ale. It's just a ale that's dark. Then, I found one fault in you in your in your idea here. Well, are you going to bust the it base. now before I finish or are you going to bust it when I get done? What's my fault? Oh, wait. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing <laughs> your fault. but uh, It's going to be so stupid. Okay. It's going to be so underwhelming, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> okay. So
1: then... What if the what if that ale is is more malty than normal, right? There's some Ls that come across more malty, a little bit sweeter. We'll call it a malty pale ale or a malty dark ale. What if it's high alcohol? Well, guess what? You can call it a strong pale ale or a strong dark ale. What if it's a hoppy, strong beer, like a double IPA? We'll call it a strong hoppy pale ale or a strong hoppy dark ale. It's a Hoppy, dark, black IPA type style, but it's just a hoppy, strong, dark ale. It's above a certain alcohol content, it's dark, and it's got hops. It makes sense, right? Does this not make sense? Of course it does. You can continue on with the same type of style thing by adding it on with with uh, sours or wheat. You know, again, you have to have a category that is a beer made mostly of wheat that has a certain characteristic, right? People understand what wheat ales are. People understand what sour ales are. You can have a hoppy sour ale. You can have you know just a sour ale you can have you know now there will be times when you need to separate that and and have a goza that's a that's a specific style of sour beer that is is a his, historical note you can have a berliner Weiss, which is a certain style of a wheat beer that was made in germany that has a sour characteristics and it's a wheat that we'll get to here in a second, but you can have these different tile types of of beer with simple descriptors that people understand what they are, okay, Chris, before I continue on, what is your one flaw hole in
0: my whole program? You're basing this on people using common sense. <laughs> I I went to the lowest common
1: denominator. If they're below that,
0: they don't need to be drinking beer.
1: They're already wasted, right?
0: (laughs) So, you know, I've always been taught when you teach somebody something, you got to teach it like you're teaching third or fourth graders. Mm. I've met third and fourth graders that have common sense.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, you're right.
1: There's always a flaw because even, you know, no matter how easy you make it, there's going to be people that just don't understand it. But I think – My descriptors are pretty simple and, you know, people know what light and pale and dark is. And I I would think – and if they didn't, I think it's a lot easier for a beer tender who is maybe not as well-known into the styles as I am or you are or or any of our listeners Mm -hmm. who are well-versed in beer to explain what type of beer it is if they don't get it, right? I mean, it's pretty simple, right? They can just do what I said. It's a – oh, this is a pale. It's a lighter-colored ale. And it has it's hoppy, so it has a little bit of hop flavor in there that will give you some of those flavors that you know whatever. They can explain it, and you can always put other descriptors in front of it. Like if you want to specify, this is a you know hoppy pale ale uh, featuring whatever hops. They're already doing that, right? Breweries are already putting the hops as a subtitle for a beer. Mm -hmm. Just continue doing that. You can define what beer what hops are in there by just adding them in there. This is uh, you know these hops, and but it's still understandable what the style is without confusing people with a black IPA that's that's black and not pale. All right, so um, and like I said, you have all these base styles. Now you, you might want to be able to add uh, origin descriptors, right? American, German, Belgian, right? Locations around the world or areas that have specific mat- ingredients that change the flavor of the beers that are distinctively different Beers. Belgian beers are distinctively different than German beers, which are distinctly different than American style beers, which are distinctly different from English style ales. They're using different malts, different hops, that give, and different water a lot of times that give off mm-hmm. different flavors. So if you need to, you can put German style pale ale. Nope, that doesn't exist. German style lager, that's more like it. Or German style weed ale for Hefeweizen. Or, you know, you can, you know, if, just add a descriptor that tells the origin, you know, where's that? So people have an idea that if they're familiar with the style, they know that this is going to taste more like this. Um, yeah, is it gonna help the, the four-year-old that doesn't know what German style is? No. But again, <laughs> it's gonna help the beer tender that might be familiar with German Hefeweizens to explain that oh, this is a German wheat beer that's gonna have banana and clove flavors versus an American wheat ale that's not gonna have. Those characters going to have just the wheat character that that you know gives off a a lighter flavor, not so dramatic esters in the in the uh, in mm-hmm. the yeast or whatever because they use different yeast. So, okay, so there is an example of adding descriptors. Now, I already mentioned you're going to need to have some historical beers that you know that that came about right. You're going to have a pilsner, right? A pilsner is a, is a pale lager, but it's different than a standard lager, right? And people understand that pilsner. Is a specifically made beer. So if you need to have a, a more defined descriptor, then I have no problem adding a you know a, a a pilsner lager or a hoppy pilsner lager or whatever. But still have a lager, so they understand that that's the style it is. But put a descriptor in the front. Um, same with Baltic Porter, right? Baltic Porter. If you you know you can say a Baltic Dark Ale. They're not Mm going to know what it is unless someone explains it. But at least you know from the experienced people that, hey, this came from the, you know, using the yeast profile and a certain brewing process in the Baltic region that provides these flavor profiles for this, you know, thing. It's not going to help the novice, but it is going to help the people that really enjoy craft beer to know that, ooh, this is a special porter that I really, or a special dark ale that I appreciate and I want to go grab. Same with Kolsch. You know, if a beer is brewed in, in, in Cologne, Germany, then it can be labeled a Kolsch because that's the only true Kolsch. But we don't need to have Kolsch-style ale when we can just say, you know, German pale ale, and it will be close to a, a German pale ale or, or whatever, right? I mean, so here that's my whole thing that I think we need to move away from these ridiculous—like the BJCP, as they said in the article, is labeling— A black IPA is an American dark ale or whatever, right? That's a ridiculous, uh, I mean, it shouldn't be labeled as American to be a black IPA. It should be, you know, a hoppy dark ale would make more sense in the style that it it really follows. Okay, what do you think, Chris? Am I totally bonkers or does some of this make sense?
0: I don't think you're you're bonkers at all. I think this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I think it it really does. And it, and it would make things a little more simple. Like you said, if you have that that beer tender who might not be as experienced mm-hmm. as, you know, somebody walking up to the bar that's been trying everything they can get their hands on for the last 20 years, you know, just they can go. Hey, you know what? I'm looking for something. Yeah, I'm looking for something a little lighter, but, you know, maybe with some it with some good hop. Hop uh, character to it. Okay, well, hey, why don't you try this hoppy pale lager? Mm-hmm. Give that a try. Yeah. Or you know, if you're looking for something on the malty side, because you know, I have people when they ask me, they're like, "Oh, well, what uh, what's your favorite beer?" And I'm like, "Do you know that there's eight thousand breweries <laughs> in the United States, and if each one of them came up with just two new beers every year, we're looking at sixteen thousand brand new beers mm-hmm. every year." um so it's hard to say, but then when somebody goes, "Oh, go ahead, just pick something out for me." Do you want something hoppy? Do you want something light? Do you want something dark, mm-hmm. boozy? I mean, sweet. What do you want? Um, I think this would help out significantly, whether it's common sense or not. Mm-hmm. And it's just me being a, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it would help out a lot, and it, you don't have to sit there and go, "Well, is it a is it a Cascadian dark mm-hmm. ale? Is it a black IPA? Is it just a hoppy dark?" ale mm-hmm. is it a hoppy dark lager yeah it, so i i think it just putting those descriptors in there would would do a lot i just the downside to it is i think it would just <sighs> that's common sense nobody has that anymore i yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, really do
1: all right well that's the end of our brew buzz and denny's rant mm-hmm. all right well now it's time to talk about our new and noteworthy beers and chris look at you you have a few beers what do you want to do. talk about tonight
0: well my first beer let's get the big and baddest right. one out of the way do it. from from magic city brewing company at akron ohio uh, i got this beer from my buddy art warcheck so art thank you buddy for the beers uh we did a little trade he was uh, the friend of mine who won the lottery for as far as beers go <laughs> the at, beer lottery. Uh, at cigar city he, he reached out to me and he said hey uh I won four bottles from Cigar City. Can you ship them to me? I said, sure, I'll send them over to you. And uh, we we exchanged some beers just uh, so he could get his. He sent me this Magic City Brewing Company, uh, Tin Foil Hat Society, mm. which not only a great name, the New England IPA or Northeast IPA, <laughs> depends on who you're talking to. Um, I gave it a five-cap rating. I, I never rate beer. IPAs, New England, Northeast IPAs, whatever we're calling it, uh, five caps. Wow. Normally, they really get to the point anymore. Kind of like you and you and I both get to the point, Danny, where we're like, okay, I'm hopped yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I just this one, there was something about it. I don't even know what it was, but there was something about it that I I took that first sip and went, oh wow. Mm. And it really it really caught my attention to the point where I drank it. And I, I took another sip and another sip and another sip. And then before I knew it, it was gone. It was a sad day. So I'll have to go get some more the next time, if and when I ever go back to Ohio. Um, but yeah, five cap rating for that beer. The next one I want to talk about was from Berry House Beer Company right here in Tampa. These are the guys we we talked to on the Fermented Reality mm-hmm. Beer Cast the other day. Yeah. Uh, they're big plucking pills which is the, the one beer that they, that, uh, that June Bay talked about, uh, they, they entered it right after they opened, they entered it in, I think it was the Florida's best beer competition and took home a bronze medal. It was like, oh, oh, we, we, we took a medal. We just opened the beer. <laughs> Um, so this was one of the beers that I had when, uh, John and Kristen were in town. Um, but it gave this one a four cap rating, just crisp and clean and just clear as glass mm. man it's just really really good easy drinking beer uh and then the last one i want to talk about was was given to me by um another friend of mine in maryland so he came to visit the tampa area with his daughter because they were checking out some schools and uh he lives up in uh, in the bel air area So Northern Maryland, right above Baltimore uh, from the Dewey Beer Company. It's called Futuristic Future. And this beer got a 4.25 rating from me. And this one was, um, I want to say it was a New England IPA. I don't really remember all the information (laughs) off of it, but I just remember the can specifically. Can art gets me all the time. I love can. Um, And another beer that I just, I cracked open and I took a sip of it and there was just something different. There, it wasn't just that that citrus or the melon it's, or it, the tropical it's fruit the, or was, it's the futuristic future yeah, yeah. It was, it was beer of the future <laughs> from the dewey beer company and dewey i would imagine that's based out of delaware too so um the forgotten yeah, state so for yeah well it's where my brother lives now
1: That the only reason yeah. you remember is because he lives there <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's the first state too, uh, by the way. Um, is it the first state? You, is that true? Yeah, it was the, it was the first state in the United wow, States. And, it's,
1: and I, I swear it's the most forgotten state in the United States too, which is sad. It's the first.
0: Yeah. 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 What about you, Denny? What do you, uh, what was in some of your new and noteworthy beers? I, uh, I've got a few. I've drank a lot okay. of
1: beers since our last show. I'm, I'm making up for dead times when I, so part of the reason I, I'm drinking during the week again because I realized that cutting out my beer during the week isn't helping. I'm still not sleeping, so I might as well mm. feel good and enjoy good craft beer. So I'm drinking during the week again. <laughs> um, first off, I'm going to start with my. I have a couple five cap rating beers I'm going to talk about tonight, and wow. I um, it it's, it probably shouldn't surprise you. That the, the two beers I'm going to talk about that are five cap ratings are from Jim Dandy beering, Brewing, which by the way, I'm now drinking the six 16 ounce can Jim Dandy Flyhopper New England
0: style IPA. You know, if you keep giving them so many shout outs, <laughs> we're going to start getting them to sponsor the show. Well, that's okay. Well, no, though, no, they so, um,
1: no, they they are worth every, every <laughs> mention, and I, yeah. I, if they want to sponsor a show, they're they're more than willing. As long as the sponsorship is just giving me beer, that'd be fine. <laughs> I'll be happy with that. <laughs> but no, they, um, uh, um, yeah, they, they produce some great beer. So I'm going to talk about two beers that um, that stood out above you know above the normal high ratings that I usually give their, their beers. I don't I don't give all their beers five cap ratings. I've probably given three, mm-hmm. maybe four other beers uh, out of the 43 beers I've had. Uh, from them. I think I've, you know, maybe three or four, if I'm not mistaken, but they do make some great beers. Um, the first one is a double IP, a New England double IPA, and it's called the Mothership. And this beer had the potential of, of being too much. And um, I believe that uh, Davis used, we, I talked to Davis Gove, the owner. Uh, when I was there, we chatted for a little bit. I actually I feel bad because every time I see Davis, he said, you know, he he stops and we chat, and then I end up, you know, he has a purpose, right? Brewers don't just come out of the brewery just because they want to chat with people. Maybe they do. Mm-hmm. He has a purpose, and he he has something to do. And what he had to do this time was to go shut the compressor off, which I was keeping him from doing. But he still is so kind and loves to, you know, sit there and chat with me a little bit. So I, you know, I took the opportunity. And I talked about this beer I was just drinking when he was there, and said, "Man, this is fantastic! It's a New England double IPA, which you have no i no hint to the fact this is a over eight percent beer. Um, it's very smooth, soft, like a normal New England IPA would be. It's got uh, it's using Sabro hops, which give off can give off a, a huge amount of. Wait, I said Sabro. I hope that's correct. Now my memory is not the best. I think it was Sabro hops, which can give off no." I might be wrong with the hops. Now I'm questioning myself. It had hops that give off, um, a, can give off a strong coconut flavor from the um, from the hops, and he was afraid that the coconut was too strong. Now uh, the coconut was stronger than normal, but it wasn't overbearing. But it did come out in the finish. Right, the finish had this. Had this flavor that we that Haley and I were both trying to figure out what it was, and I and I realized that oh it's a it's a tropical so it was mostly tropical hop character fruity character, and it was the coconut that was coming out in the finish, and the coconut Mm -hmm. was mixed with the lactose that he added into it. Now that just with the with the lactose sweetness and the coconut, that kind of you know can really become a problem with the. With that sweetness interacting with the coconut and giving you a you know a a, a, a weird flavor you can't tell but honestly it worked really well super smooth um, probably I, I wouldn't call this necessarily a milkshake IPA but it was really close to what I what I would like to see in a milkshake IPA is a well balanced use of the lactose sugars with the hops that work well together doesn't end up too sweet has zero. Uh, bad characteristics of a lactose sweetness. You know, mm-hmm. we've already talked about some of that artificial uh, yep. character that it can give off. And I just, I love the beer. Not only did I love it there, I bought two crowlers of it. I'm giving one. I'm giving one of the crowlers to my friend Bob, uh, and I drank one with Sarah, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. A five cap rating. There's nothing to say. It's just fantastic. Now the next Jim Dandy beer is called Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Now, who can't enjoy a name like that? And this is an Imperial Oatmeal Brown. So it's Bad Bad Leroy Brown Imperial Oatmeal Brown Ale. So it's got quite a name. And um, this one speaks to me a lot because both Haley and I love brown ales. And brown ales get no love out in the brewing world, right? Very, very few of the style are out there. And, I, and you know I've mentioned a few times when I've been with uh, you know with uh, at Jim Dandy and, and chatted with Haley Haley Gove and her, and Davis Gove the two owners and brewers uh, that I love brown ells and they also have an appreciation for it and when they brewed this beer I thought wow they're speaking they're speaking to me right this is this is a beer that just is is saying hey Denny you need to have this beer Haley my daughter Haley went and grabbed a crowler of it and drank it at home and said, Dad, you need to have this beer. So when I came, I was so happy that they still had the beer on tap uh, that I I tried it right away. And, um, man, I'll tell you what. I was a little bit worried. It came out, and when it came out in our – I I was getting 10-ounce pours because I wanted to drink a a bunch of different beers. I wanted to drink full pints. So I was getting 10-ounce pours, and it came out a little bit chilled. And when it came out chilled, the flavor – you know, when, whenever a beer that might be a little bit higher in alcohol comes out cold, sometimes it can the alcohol character, the booziness, can come out a little bit stronger. And when I yeah. first put it up to my nose and smelled it, it smelt booze a little bit boozy. And when I first put it up to my first sip, I'm like, "Uh-oh, this might be a little too boozy." So I I set it down and let it warm up a little bit, which was a good thing because my next sip, after I let it warm a little bit, I took it, and then that's when everything ex- like exploded. You know the flavors came out with the very um, like brown sugar, like like uh, burnt. Like I want to say burnt sounds like a, a bad descriptor, but it's you know you know how when you take brown sugar or or toffee or whatever. To, I don't know what toffee is made of. You're a chef, you know what toffee is made of. I'm sure it's made of brown sugar. But when you take toffee or burnt caramel and you get that that character right, it had that that strong. Burnt caramel or toffee, or as they described in the description that I didn't realize I didn't read, and I didn't realize it was what it, what the scripture was until the guys at Brunomics read it and said creme brulee. You know how you eat the the top of a creme brulee? Mm-hmm. That is a characteristic of the malt character in this beer, and uh, very smooth. Very uh, that the oats, you know, the oats in it adds a very nice smoothness uh, and mouthfeel to the beer. I absolutely fell in love with this beer, and I and when I got done drinking the ten ounces, I I said, yeah, this is a for me rating by style, and a style that I love is a brown ale. There's no way I couldn't rate it as a five cap rating, and it's worthy of a five cap in in my book. Even the guy at Brewnomics, we started off with this beer, and as we started off with this beer and worked up to the black IPA, and we worked up to the double IPA, the double New England IPA. Um, you know, they rated this one pretty decent at four and a quarter, and then it got to four and a half, and then it got to four and three quarters by the end of the of the, of the night. Um, but even this one, you know, for a style that doesn't get the love, anything above a four is really good. Uh, and they, they knocked it out of the par- ballpark. So I just wanted to give some more love to Jim Dandy and their bad, bad Leroy Brown Imperial Oatmeal Brown Ale. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. I'll go a little faster with these next two. Um the next one is Short Throw Brewing and Short Throw Brewing is in Richmond, Virginia. It's a fairly new brewery. They don't even have the, they don't even brew in their own system. I read up on this guy on this thing cuz these guys impressed me with this beer. So I'm giving everyone else out there that may not have heard of this brewery a chance to go and and find it, especially the guys that live in Virginia. Um like uh, uh Tom Joseph uh live in Fredericksburg, just go to Richmond. I know it's a little bit of it's an hour drive or so from you, but Um, If you can get some short throw brewing, try them out. Uh, The brewer and and owner of this brewery had brewed in several other um, venues and has won awards as best pub brewery and and different things. And so he knows what he's doing. Um, I've only had one beer. It's being distributed out of a Connecticut, the the distribution thing. So that's how we got it here in Boise. But it's called the Treachery of Fruit, which I love the name, the Treachery of Fruit, right? Mango and apricot fruited goza. So, already I love mango, and my favorite fruit of all time is apricot, which is, which you could never get apricots. I don't know why apricot is such a rare fruit. I don't know where they grow it at, but I need to go move that state so I can get more apricot. But when you put the two together, I just, I, I just, all I saw was mango and apricot, and I just grabbed it. I didn't even care what it was. And then I got home. I look at it. I say, oh, it's a goza. So this is kind of like a Florida vice type thing, right? You know, like you guys oh, do nice. maybe, but not not a Berliner vice, but it's still a goza. I open it. I pour it. It pours like motor oil, <laughs> but it looks like orange juice. And I took a little video. I might post it on our YouTube site, just of the top. Like it's literally like thick pulp juice. It tastes. It's really thick, but it tastes really good. And it, if anything, if I can give any complaint to it, it's it's that it doesn't taste like beer, which is, to some people would be good, but it tastes so good that I don't, I mean, it just tastes good, right? It's it's like a lot of fruit juice, thick, syrupy, but delicious fruit juice that does have a, you know, mm. it's a Goza, so it has some of that characteristic. But I gave it a four and a half cap rating just because I could drink this, all the time. Uh, even though it was a little bit thicker and a little bit, uh, syrupy, it still was good. Have you heard of short throw before Chris?
0: I have not. Okay. I'd be curious to know uh, about where they are because I actually was just talking to, um, one of the other sit means sit owners today in Richmond mm. and, uh, they're building some new buildings around his facility. And it was mentioning that there's a brewery. There's a brewery nearby, and I said, "Hey, I, I see this building's going up near you." And he go, "I said it looks like there's a brewery there too." And he goes, "Yeah, the brewery's right across the street." So I'm kind of curious to know where that is. Yeah, maybe it's going to be short throws uh, brewery.
1: They're, I mean, the I think they're brewing out of other people out of other people's uh, brew houses, but um, I, I know I read I read up on their website. Um, it's good. I, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to see if I can get. Other, other beers that come into town to try because mm-hmm. I went to the website and saw the beers and they all looked interesting and things that I, I wouldn't mind trying. So again, that's short throw brewing, the treachery of fruit, mango and apricot fruited goza. And the last beer I've already talked about, it's uh, mad sweet brewings, mundo loco Mexican lager, a four cap rating for that Mexican lager, uh, which I might be uh, stopping by and grabbing a growler of that for uh, drinking with the uh, Cinco de Mayo. On Thursday.
0: Well, it is It is not short throw. It's table. Oh. T-A-B-O-L. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. I saw uh, uh, Ariel Druck uh, says, cheers, guys. He's drinking a light Pilsner by Alchemist. Alchemist. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Alchemist made pilsners. I thought only they made uh, Focal Point and uh uh Focal Banger, yeah. And and, uh, and,
0: and, uh, and Hitty Topper. Other yeah, that's the
1: two. Uh, but hey, if they make a good lager, I, I need to try that one, too. All right, Chris. You know what? Uh, it's a short show. I think we got this thing done in uh less than an hour and a half or maybe right at an yeah, hour and a half. that's what it looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we uh yeah, we're we're about an hour and a half. All
1: right. So, why don't we go ahead and close this thing out by giving a few toasts to who like you have a toast to. So, who would you like to toast to tonight?
0: I would love to raise a glass and I know it's a little early. It'll be a couple of days after our show releases, but I wanted to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day because this coming Sunday just in case you guys forgot it's mother's day so make sure uh make sure you give some love to all the moms in your life I uh, just want to raise a glass to uh all of the moms out there cheers to you and uh cheers mom i hope you get love hope you. you get to enjoy <laughs> hope you get to enjoy the day uh, and get pampered for all the things that you do for all of us so cheers uh what about you denny who would you like to raise a glass wow. to wow
1: all right so first i like to raise a glass to our patreon a Patreon toast tonight is to Jeff Seiler. Cheers, Jeff. Thank you for being Cheers, a Jeff. Patreon supporter. We really appreciate it. And then also i like to thank the the guys over at Brunomics Podcast, the whole crew, uh, Jerry, Will, Vic, and Paula. Even though Paula wasn't able to show up for the recording, uh, it was a fantastic time going to their studio here locally in Boise and recording a show. Um, it's going to be coming out, I think, uh, right around the same time our show is coming out on Thursday. Uh, so, uh, I will, uh, I will post a link to that show so you can go find it on their, on their, uh, feed. Also, um, I'll probably repost it as a mid post, like, like between our two shows, uh, as an extra special content, if you want to listen to it from our feed. So, uh, look forward to that. You might get a double dose of me this week, but we talk about beer. I talk about Jim Dandy. I, uh, you get to hear some more about me describing Jim Danny beers and seeing how uh, three other guys, uh, you know, what their take on the beer is and learn about uh, about these guys. I mean, it's a it's a fun, fun time. They do a great podcast on a lot of different pop culture things anywhere from movies, TV series, comic books, video, not really video games. But it, I don't know. They may have talked a little bit about some games, but mostly comic books and pop culture and, and TV and movies they are big movie buffs. They do a lot of different you know interactions with those type of topics with beer intermingled, and I've talked about them on the show before. Uh, during COVID times, they did a series of fantastic interviews uh, that I really, I still think are some of my favorite interviews I've heard uh, from any podcast. And uh, you know, I, I mentioned I think before that they did one on the peanut, the city peanut, uh, the peanut guy. Uh, I thought for sure when I saw the 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 title of this one, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to listen to all this. I started listening to it, and I was captured right away, and fascinated about his story, and about how they integrated beer tasting with peanuts and different things. I mean, fantastic yeah. episode, as well as a lot of local breweries. They interact with a lot of local breweries here in the Boise area to find. If you want to find out about some of the, you know, the great offerings of. Of breweries and beers we have in the local area, I think their podcast is a great way of doing it. So uh, I'll have a link in the show notes for Brewnomics podcast. Uh, go check them out, and of course, subscribe and give them a review. Help these guys out. They're they're planning on expanding their network a little bit and doing some special things. And I'm looking forward to seeing them grow. And of course, being a former serviceman, I want to raise my glass. Here it is. Cheers. To all those who have served and are currently serving in the U.S. military services protecting our freedoms, I hope all those deployed are able to return home safely to your families very soon. And, of course, I'm wearing my submarine service uh, shirt, and so cheers to all the submarine sailors out there. Uh, Please, please come back safely to your families also. And, Chris, why don't you go ahead and give a shout-out to our sponsor?
0: At the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable, and offering affordable quality, they screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Visit their online store at brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% off full-priced items.
1: I'm drinking. I'm, I'm down this <laughs> beer why fast here. because I. That is why we are that's here. why we're here. <laughs> uh-huh. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned in the show in the show notes located on the show post at open. <laughs> I did it again. I, I got open forum Radio okay. stuck in my head.
0: Radio scratch. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> on the show post at tapthecraft.com. I got to sponsor my own pot, my own website. I got to keep thinking about our own website. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at loose screw. And Chris, how can our listeners follow you?
0: So you can never find me on Twitter at Chris underscore Mackenzie 82, or you can find me on untapped and Instagram at MCK one, three, four, five. And of course you can interact with us on all things. Social. Everything is at tap the craft guys. Go give us a listen, give us a follow. And, uh, share this live feed this evening it, we'd appreciate share it share it for sure alright well it is
1: last call it is sadly time to bring the show to a close we want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show we ask you to please tell a friend about our show and of course subscribe on iTunes Stitcher Radio TuneIn Google Play CastBox Podbean Spotify iHeart Radio and now Amazon Podcast or however you listen to your podcast and as a reminder we release a new show every two weeks Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. So in 2009, maybe the first, uh, may have been the first year that beers labeled as Black IPA became showing up regularly on shore... I have, now i'm now the beer is kicking yeah. in i'm having trouble yeah. reading here i'm gonna start over <laughs>
0: uh what type of cerveza will you be celebrating the fifth with oh, denny
1: you know what um honestly the one i i've been drinking a lot of mad swede brewing local brewery uh, mm. mundo loco is their oh, uh okay. mexican lager they just released a a week or two ago and i i went one night and just had like three pints of that alone i just really like it; it's a really um good mexican style lager so maybe i'll stop by mm-hmm. and uh and grab a crow, uh, growler full of that uh on the way home i, I am going out tomorrow night to drink some beers with my i'm gonna i brought some jim Dandy beer for a friend of mine i'm gonna meet up after work at uh, edge brewing uh mm-hmm. trade off uh give him hand him off his uh his stash of beer, I, I got him and then drink some beers with him. And we chose to go the day before, I think it was a
0: mile, so that we wouldn't get caught in the crowd. of. That's smart, you know. though. Eric Gronley said he signed up for a virtual beer festival locally. Uh, Eric, I'd be kind of interested to hear about that. Um, he said it's 12 breweries. Pick out a different, unique, different beers to try.
1: Hmm.
0: And Eric said, Eric Gronley said, if Lupulin comes out with a black IPA, I will send it okay. to you guys. yeah. I love black IPA, so you send you can send whatever you want. want my way. Um Bill. I I have no idea what what type of beer I'll be drinking on the on on Cinco de Mayo. I, I'm going to go reach into my beer cooler and see what speaks to me as we're having fajitas. Fajitas. So we'll uh, yeah. we'll we'll have to see. Cool. All right. So you ready to
1: continue this thing? Get this thing over with.